Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, how many of us had trouble getting up this morning? Chances are that there are some of our members who had so much trouble getting up that they're not even here. Now, I've never been in the military, but it seems to me that one situation where people would rarely have trouble with oversleeping would be during basic training. It doesn't matter how late you fell into bed or how much sleep you have or haven't had when Reveille is played early in the morning. And that bugle call is not something easily ignored. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up in the morning. Now, while I never played a bugle, a few of you might be aware that I did play the trumpet when I was in school. I still have my trumpet, in fact, but it hasn't been played in more than 30 years. And last time I looked at it, well, it wasn't pretty. And it certainly was in no condition to be played, even if my lips and lungs were ready to play it, which they aren't. But there is one way in which I should be ready to, to give a clear and consistent, even beautiful and powerful note. God's prophets and preachers, and really all of Christ's disciples, are His instruments in this world serving like a bugle player to rouse the sleeping, call the inactive to attention, gather God's forces, and even sometimes lead them to battle. Sadly, much of the church today is like my old trumpet. No note has been played for a long time. So long, in fact, that people have forgotten what the call is supposed to sound like and the players have forgotten how to play, if, in fact, they ever knew. The brass has lost its shine, the valves are stuck, and there's no wind, no breath, and so there's no sound. There are many reasons why God's instruments remain silent so long. In some cases, it is simple laziness. That old sinful nature is in the driver's seat and just says, no, that sounds too much like work. In other cases, we might let the busyness of life crowd out our days, crowd our days so that we keep putting it off until a day that never comes. Or maybe for some, it's a lack of conviction, not being well enough convinced of the truth or relevance of God's word to the world we live in. Perhaps, and to the church's shame, some instruments are unplayed because no one ever told those disciples that Christ intended all of us to be His witnesses to a lost and dying world. Or maybe it's a combination of thoughts and emotions like stage fright that, that keep us silent, apprehension about speaking up or taking a stand, perhaps a feeling of inadequacy or actual fear. Whatever the reason, the results are the same. Silence and sleep when our Lord has said, stand up and be heard. One of the interesting things about translating the Old Testament is that in the original Hebrew, the same word can mean breath, wind, or spirit, as in Holy Spirit. 
depending on the context. And the same is actually true of the Greek word in the New Testament. This is no mere linguistic coincidence. There's an important spiritual truth here. And we see it in Ezekiel's call, which we have in our first lesson today, Ezekiel 2, 1-5. We read again, The Lord said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. The Spirit entered into me as he spoke to me and brought me up to my feet. Then I heard him speaking to me. He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the people of Israel, to disloyal nations who have been disloyal to me. They and their fathers have rebelled against me to this very day. These children of mine are brazen-faced and hard-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you are to tell them that this is what the Lord God says. Then, whether they listen or do not listen, for they are a rebellious house, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. The call that Ezekiel received was no appeal to be all you can be or to bring all his individual strengths and skills to this new job and make a difference. Because Ezekiel, like any other man, woman, or child, had no ability on his own to do what God was calling him to do. When the Lord here says, stand up on your feet, it, it sounds simple enough at first, but, but the reason God was telling him to get up was that Ezekiel had fallen face down, which is the only possible reaction that doesn't involve actual death (laughs) when a sinner finds himself in the presence of the Lord in all his glory. And that is what the first chapter of Ezekiel tells us about. Ezekiel, a son of man, could no more stand up on his own before God than a twig can pick itself up and throw itself into a furnace. And for the same reasons, Ezekiel could never say the things the Lord wanted him to say unless they were first breathed into him. Like a trumpet, someone needed to pick him up and put breath into him before the notes could sound. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does and how he works. We see it here in Ezekiel's call. He does not get up until God speaks and the Spirit enters him, and he won't take a stand and speak until the Spirit gives him the words to say. It's the same with me as a pastor and same for all of us as Christ's disciples. We cannot stand with Jesus unless the Spirit first enters into us, giving us faith, life, and strength. And we can't sound the call of his word until the Spirit breathes his words into us putting wind into his instruments and leading us to play a song of salvation. But the fact that so many of our instruments are so silent or so softly or infrequently played makes clear that though our spirits are willing, our flesh is still weak. We can always find reasons not to take a stand. Ezekiel undoubtedly had better reasons than we ever will. He was living in exile in Babylon. He had been taken there, uprooted, carried off, along with thousands of the elite and the the best and the brightest of his countrymen as, as punishment for Judah's attempt to rebel against King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. 
And the message that God was putting in Ezekiel's mouth was not going to be popular. He was going to tell his fellow exiles, first of all, that their exile was their own fault. It was God's long-threatened punishment for their nation's unbelief, disobedience, and rebellion. And then he was going to tell them that things were going to get much worse before they got better. They're almost superstitious confidence that God would protect Judah and Jerusalem because he was present there in his temple would be shattered because the Lord was going to leave them and let his temple be destroyed along with Jerusalem. So you can well imagine that Ezekiel's preaching and prophesying was not going to win him many friends. But of course, that's not why he would be doing it. It's not why Paul kept on working despite problems and persecution. It's not why Jesus put up with his own people's rejection and lack of faith. And it's not why we share God's word and tell his will in our world. The Lord's servants get up and get the message out because God so loves the world and the world needs to hear it. It's the only way to be saved. The only way to peace with God and eternal life in heaven. And it does not start with the message of comfortable complacency that Ezekiel's people wanted to hear. Don't worry. God's on your side and will come through for you in the end no matter what you do or think or believe. Lots of people today want to hear that same message. But God has gone on the record quite clearly that the opposite is true. He demands that everything we do and don't do be perfectly, 100% in line with His law. And He has promised to save only those who belong to Him by faith and those who do not believe will perish. That means that those who break His commandments in even the slightest way and all those who obstinately and stubbornly rebel against Him with disobedience and unbelief are lost in their sins headed to hell forever. A big problem. So something has to change for anyone to be saved. And first, the problem has to be recognized. Just as an alcoholic first has to face up to his addiction before he can begin his recovery. Which is why we need to preach the law and its condemnation to the unrepentant. To stand up as a church and show society's sins and to stand up as believers and tell friends and neighbors, even family members, that they are sinners headed to hell. And only then will they be ready for the glorious, wonderful message of grace. The gospel that God has given us to share, that we see at work in our worship, that we confess in our creeds, that, that fills our lives with peace and joy. The good news that Jesus Christ took care of all our sins and made us perfectly holy by suffering and dying on the cross for us, taking our place, dying our death, giving us forgiveness by paying for our sins and winning us eternal life by rising from the dead in love. Just as God loved us and told us of His love, we plead with other people to believe that, believe that 
in the same way that we do, so that they will be saved, so that they will have life just as we do. Yes, this compulsion and this text certainly apply most directly to to pastors and, and others who are formally called to preach and teach God's Word. But the call to spread law and gospel, to witness to Jesus Christ, belongs to the whole church, which means all Christians, because we are all together God's kingdom of priests, Christ's ambassadors, the Lord's advocates to a world of condemned sinners. But still, let's not lose sight of what God made so clear to Ezekiel. We witness with our lips and with our lives without regard to the response. Once the Spirit got him up, he wasn't to worry about what kind of people he was supposed to take a stand in front of. God knew even better than Ezekiel did what their hearts and their histories were like. And once the Spirit empowered him to fulfill his calling and say, this is what the Lord God says, the response, whether they listen or fail to listen, didn't matter. Only faithfulness did. We worry way too much about how people will respond to our witness, our confession, our lifestyles, our stewardship, our words, our witness. God tells us to leave that to Him. The important thing is that we stand up and say, this is what the Lord God says. Because the power to save is in His Gospel, not in us. And the Holy Spirit gives us that Gospel. A good thing we have it too, because the message of forgiveness that we share is one that we need ourselves even or perhaps especially when it comes to witnessing. It is often hard to talk or even to hear about it without guilt raising its head. But this is not only our calling, it's, it's also our joy to, to get up and take a stand and, and start speaking about Jesus. And with the wonderful comfort that our sins are forgiven and the certain knowledge that our Lord loves us, we rejoice Get up and speak. And there's one more truth here to keep in mind. Did you notice what was right at the end of God's call to Ezekiel? Whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Consider the example of of Martin Luther. He was someone who, who got up. The Spirit entered into him and he took a stand and he spoke and he said, this is what the Lord God says. And most of the world did not hear him. And most of the Christian world did not care to hear what he had rediscovered in God's Word. Though there is still a church that bears his name and follows his teaching, the results of Luther's work were not at all what they could and should have been. Now, one of the interesting things that I learned in church history class is that after Jesus, the historical figure that has had the most biographies written about him is Martin Luther. And they are hardly all written by his fans. You see, eventually, even those who had rejected what he had to say, 
came to understand the role that he had served. They realized that a prophet had been among them. He had had a message they could not ignore. We can say that now about Luther's legacy in in Germany, Western Europe, even the world at large. But what can we say about the impact of God's messengers in Clarksville, Howard County, the state of Maryland? today or tomorrow? How will the people of of this place know we were ever here? Know you were ever here? Will they ever say, looking back, there were prophets among us that would be and is a a wonderful thing to think about and, and, and look forward to, isn't it? Maybe we could call it a prophet motive to know with confidence that that when we do what we are compelled to do and called to do and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do, it is God's work done with His blessing. And whether people listen or fail to listen, they will know God's Word has been spoken, that a prophet has been among them. Yes, we may feel inadequate. We may feel guilt. We may feel weakness, whatever. But consider the example of the Apostle Paul as we learned in our lesson today from 2 Corinthians 12. What did God tell him? My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. So we take all of our doubts and fears and misgivings, all our weaknesses, And we turn them over to God. And in doing what we have been given to do, we let the Spirit do His work. And He will. He will come into us through the Gospel, which we get here at church and through reading the Bible and through the sacrament of the altar and through baptism. The Spirit will enter us. And He will stand us up and He will breathe into us. He will put us to work and He will empower and embolden us. He will put wind in our instruments. It's time to get up. It's time to get up now and every day. Amen. Please rise. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.